everyone. Welcome to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession, where medical services professionals and industry experts contribute their voices about popular topics, including the impacts of artificial intelligence, MSP core competencies, department advocacy, leadership, and more. I'm your host, Lauren Leacoris, content editor for NAMS. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Bonnie Gutierrez, System Director of Medical Staff Services and Peer Review at Centura Health, about the unwavering importance of advocating for your department. So go ahead and introduce yourself. So hello, my name is Bonnie Gutierrez, and I am a System Director for Medical Staff Services and Peer Review for Centura Health System in Denver, Colorado. Can you talk a little bit about your career journey as an MSP? Oh, sure. I love talking about my journey. I actually really believe that I was put on a mission some 30 years ago to both become a physician advocate through my work in medical staff services, but also to become an advocate for this profession. Frankly, I just fell into this profession like so many of us did, but I would say by about year five or so, I certainly considered it to be my chosen profession And I've always been dedicated to the work. I really see the value of of supporting our providers in a way that makes it much easier for them to provide good patient care and not worry about a lot of the other issues that they have to take care of as providers and just let them focus on, on their patients. So I think it's interesting that today, NAMS through its membership, but even just our profession as a whole, we're so lucky to have so many more dedicated MSPs that, that really did uh, do their research or really looked into this profession in a way that allowed them to choose it. And there's so much more understanding of the value of what we do just among our own ranks, our own peers. And that's made a huge difference in advancing the profession, I think. But back to, to my career, um, I'd always wanted to work in a hospital. I knew that's where skilled people took care of others, and my family was very big on entering careers where we served others, such as law enforcement or teaching. And I did quickly, though, learn that I couldn't handle the blood and guts of many parts of healthcare, so I needed to find more of an administrative role, which I was able to do. I, out of the blue, applied for a position as a medical staff secretary at a single hospital, and spent my first few years using snail mail and paper logs and a lot of whiteout to get the 800 providers appointed or reappointed. At about year three, when our medical staff coordinator left for another position, the CEO asked me to accept a promotion to coordinator, which was scary and exciting at the same time. But I stayed in that position as the leader of our department for about eight years. And during that time, leadership was really starting to find its way into our profession. And so I left to take a credentialing manager role in a startup managed care company. But again, I also pretty quickly found out that managed care was not for me. I wanted to be back where there was more patient interaction and certainly physician interaction. So by that time, again, the manager and director positions were starting to come into play in our field. So I took a position in Northern Colorado in Fort Collins as a medical staff manager. And 
was really my first opportunity to see in an organizational structure of a hospital kind of the difference between a manager role and a director role. And I also very much learned how to use the existing or sort of entrenched HR processes to start pushing for the appropriate advancement of our department and our employees. I had a great HR director that was a, a peer mentor there for me, really a great person who taught me a lot about the other workings of the hospital. So after about two years in my manager role there, I was promoted to a director position. I believe directly due to, to my own advocating for my career and my department and our employees. And after about five years total in that system, I was able to uh, again move into uh, a role as the director of medical staff services. Interestingly enough, actually um, I had that same experience about 14 years later when I was ready to relocate back to my home state of Colorado and a hospital where I had really wanted to work for a long time, it was convenient to my house, had a great reputation, had an opening for a medical staff manager. So I went ahead and interviewed, and I had been a director for a number of years at that point. But through interviewing and negotiating for the position, I convinced the CMO that I would take the position as a manager, but we set three or four metrics that if I met those and accomplished um, sort of taking on some new responsibilities, he would go to bat for me and move the position to a director role. So that occurred within about the first year. And then over the past 10 years, that director role expanded to include three more hospitals in our system in a geographical area and all the way to today, which um, now I co-direct a large department of about 60 employees. I co-direct that with another MSP we have 17 acute care hospitals across um, Colorado and a little bit in Kansas, two hospitals in Kansas. And our department recently took over the CVO functions and we're busy incorporating the payer credentialing all into one department. So that's been a, a huge undertaking and a really great learning for me. But that's kind of my career of 30 years very quickly. What does department advocacy mean to you? I think department advocacy, really what that means to me is taking all the hard work of NAMS and, and many of its members and leaders over the years to promote the role of the medical services professional down to a very local and personal level. It's taking care of business in my own backyard. So what I mean by that is as we strive to gain awareness and gain appreciation for the valuable work that we're responsible for in our department, we really need to share that information on the outside. And I'm not saying we spend all of our time looking for reward and recognition. I think that comes in other ways at appropriate times. But really, it's just simply trying to improve that understanding of the important work that we do. I hear all the time, oh, medical staff services, you work with those physicians. I have no idea what you do, but I don't want to either because there's something about it that's scary or, or just the unknown. So really just education. When I served on the, on the NAMS board back in the day, we had started using phrases like gatekeepers of patient safety when we talked about why we credentialed providers. Um, and we used a, a phrase that what we do is the first step in the revenue cycle. So that when we're talking to internal leaders, especially in our companies, our hospitals, and they're saying or thinking things like, 
oh, medical staff services, you know, that's a non-essential department or that's a non-revenue generating department. It's simply not true. If the provider isn't credentialed, the surgery can't be done and the insurance company can't be billed. So really to think of us as a, as a non-revenue generating department is I think a little short-sighted on their part. And when you have that conversation, they just really start to understand where we're coming from and what those ties are. And what you were saying about having a mentor, I think it's just so critical within your organization to both find a mentor who's outside of our chosen field, but also to, to become one in some of these other areas where we can just, again, share that education about what we do. So really, I think being an advocate to me means educating others, sharing information about the work we do and so that they can understand that relationship to both patient safety and revenue. And I, I always, when I'm asked, I always describe the work that we do as both highly regulated, meaning accrediting bodies and, and regulations that we have to live by, but also critical to the risk management function of the hospital. Those two phrases seem to get a lot of attention by the people that we want to educate and bring along to understand um, why our work is so valuable. And by helping people understand our work, what they're also really doing is understanding the medical staff, that independent medical staff governance structure that again, eludes so many of us in a hospital setting or a managed care setting, but it's just critical to the accrediting bodies and frankly, to the, the quality of care that's provided in the hospital. Why is certification so important for MSPs? Well, I will tell you, my, um, my very first work with NAMS was involved with the certification board. And the way that I got involved as a volunteer leader was because I wrote a letter of complaint to the certification board. Um, and it was responded to and it was a great interaction and you know 10 years later as the story goes but i think um you know we've we've already established that i'm old or at least a well-seasoned msp so i've been around a while and i can remember back when when nams members were by far um really high functioning administrative or executive assistants who ceos thought could be doing so much more just very um very bright people who were good organizers, attention to detail, and really informal leaders in the organization that were getting things done. And so they moved us into these roles. And um, although our society has changed greatly when it comes to the percentage of people holding college degrees or even advanced degrees beyond that, um, there are still many, many MSPs um, new to the field, been in the field a long time, that may not have that opportunity to hold a college degree. So what, what I always equate um, our certification to is kind of like being a, a CPA. Um, the education is helpful and supportive, but it may not always be there. And what our certifications were really intended to do were create um, a mechanism for us to have a certain recognition that we were committed to this field by the years of service we had put in before we could sit for certification, but also that we had mastered a certain body of knowledge. And I think NAMS has worked really hard over the years to ensure that both certifications continue to evolve and stay relevant to the current work settings and the current body of knowledge that's necessary by the regulatory agencies and the risk management functions that we do. 
Um, but really, certification is it's just a huge accomplishment. And I have I have employees who have sat for certification and not achieved it. Um, at, at least the first time, maybe not at all. And they're still incredibly bright people. Um, they learned a lot by studying and preparing for it. But you know, certification isn't meant to be easy. Um, once you achieve it, you certainly don't want it to be a, an easy process. You want it to be earned. Um, but if I can also just mention one of my own little pet peeves real quick. I, I just have to tell you how disheartened I get when I see our own NAM certificates who no doubt worked very hard to get that certification, but who appear to value it so little that they either don't get the acronym correct on their resume, let's say, or they can't even tell you what the correct name of the certification is. I've heard all different kinds of iterations of certified, privileging, um, credentialer, specialist, or just all different um, words for CPCS or CPMSM. And um, it's very disheartening on a resume to see someone who's, who's used the acronym incorrectly. And I think, you know, if they don't value that, then why would I be interested in hiring them? So I think it's just a, a note out there for folks to um, pay attention to those things because other folks do. And you need to be very proud of that accomplishment and be able to speak to it um, very well when you're asked and be happy that they're asking. MSPs are the gatekeepers of patient safety, ensuring quality care through the credentialing and privileging of healthcare providers in an ever-changing industry. Expand your knowledge base and core competencies by visiting nams.org forward slash education. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of an accurate job description and making changes to ensure it remains accurate? Oh, absolutely. Um... You know, I get approached all the time by MSPs who ask me for advice on, on getting their positions recognized at an appropriate level in the organization or, or even um, more often advice on how to get paid an appropriate salary for the hard work we do. And, and these people inevitably will say something to me like, well, you know, my boss doesn't even really know what I do. Or, oh, my job description is so old, um, it doesn't even talk about regulatory compliance or something. And, and my first response isn't always accepted well, but my first response usually is, well, whose fault is that? You know, why isn't it our own responsibility to keep those job descriptions current? Why are we waiting for HR to revise them when we've already acknowledged that they don't know what we do on a day-to-day -day basis? So um, now I would agree that you have to have a certain level of finesse or professionalism to start down this road, but um, it is our responsibility to uh, you know, take those job descriptions and, and really look into them and you know, do a great job revising them and then taking them to the powers that be and saying, you know, this is an appropriate job description and it's certainly, if I ever were to leave, this is what I would hope that you would post so that you could get someone into this role who knows what they're doing, who's chosen this as a profession. And um, I've really done that at every hospital system or healthcare system that I've gone into. I've pretty early on asked for everybody's job description and I've said, you know, boy, we're gonna fix these, we're gonna improve these. Um, one of my very first roles, when I asked for the job description, it said to list your, um, responsibilities in order of, of how often you do them. And I was saddened when I looked at this job um, 
job description because it said right at the top that um, dealing with the mail room and ensuring that appointment packets got mailed correctly was one of their most important duties. When in fact, you know, this person is creating a, a, a work product, a credentialing grid that's going to the board of directors of that hospital directly to them. Um, or they're interacting with legal counsel, you know, when they need to. And, and yet the job description made it sound very much like a clerical position. So those are the things we really have to encourage people to look at. And again, not rely on others to do that. Um, I think that you have to learn about the HR process, learn about the compensation processes a little bit before you try to do that. So again, you go and make friends in other departments and you, you do your homework and you check all the great samples that are out there, even on Google, you can find them, NAMS has samples. Um, but I, I would also give this piece of advice, um, my staff know that I say very often, words matter. And how we're describing ourselves and the image we're portraying is what's gonna come through in that job description. So I tell people, you really have to use big words. You have to identify all the high level work that we're doing and be able to delineate that on your job description. Um, and what I mean by big words, um, again, it's, it's simply um, you know, saying that we are responsible for documentation and ensuring preparation follow-up to the medical staff, the uh, medical staff governance's business. Um, doesn't that sound much better than saying taking minutes at a meeting or sending out agenda packets? And it's still just as accurate. We're just making it sound a little bit more important because it is important. Um, saying that we, you know, uh, one of our duties is management of system-wide provider credentialing and demographic databases sounds much better than saying that I enter data into MD staff on a daily basis. You know, I really do maintain a critical database. Um, that's what's important. Um, I think saying that I am a technical resource to the medical executive committee, certainly during corrective actions, um, that I educate and facilitate compliance with all the Joint Commission or CMS um, standards, um, which are probably some of the biggest chapters in those accrediting manuals anymore. Um, you know, the intent really is to, is to just ourselves project an image of what we're really doing and not, not be shy about it, not be insecure about it, but be proud about it. And, and really the intent is not to start sounding like we've become too big for our britches, but really just to say these are really big shoes to fill and the powers that, that be um, need to acknowledge this and they need to understand it, which again, that's our educational responsibility for those folks. So resumes should be, um, I'm sorry, job descriptions for sure, should be looked at every couple of years as things change. They shouldn't have um, a very small description of what we do, um, but there are just great examples out there. So look for those and, and think about how you're describing what you do every day and, and use those big important words. Don't be shy about it. How do you differentiate between an office and a department? Well, uh, I will tell you again, that is one of my pet peeves. It has been for at least 15 years now. I remember at a um, NAMS conference talking to Rick Schaff from uh, uh, the Greeley Company and trying to explain the difference and asking him to stop using the phrase MSO 
or medical staff office in his presentations, and he's been great about it over the years. But um, my take on it is, is again, just that. We need to use those big words. We need to use um, definitions and, and words that really identify what we are. And uh, as, as I, I certainly know, med staff office, MSO, those are labels that are near and dear to some of our physicians' hearts. They go back to the 50s, right? But here's the reality. The personnel office went away, the medical records office, the accounting office, those offices all stopped existing at least 10 years ago in hospitals, probably closer to 20. Um, we're a department and most MSOs or even CVOs, which is a whole other label that is so incomplete, a CVO, um, it really just doesn't truly describe the full functioning department activities that go on for us. Um, you know, we have million dollar budgets in many hospitals, even in the smaller hospitals though. We are managing budgets. We have our own career ladders within our, our department or organization. Our organizational charts are now um, sometimes highly matrixed and complex. And we have a unique group of stakeholders that rely on our work that this department is accountable to, both the medical staff um, independent medical staff and its governance structure, as well as the hospital structure, all the way up to the governing board. So we need to really um, appreciate those things. And, and frankly, we may have very few employees within our department, but we're probably collecting more influenza vaccination uh, documents than HR has to collect. So when they, when they say to me that, well, you know, your department is so small, you only have a couple of employees, the truth is, most hospitals, um, or at least many, can have twice as many credentialed providers than they do employees. And we are responsible for managing that group of, of providers. And we need to recognize that, I think, through the idea of truly being a department. So um, when I first kind of got on this bandwagon a long time ago, again, it was all about education. It was all about the title isn't sufficient, the other offices have gone away. And I made our, our chief medical officer and our physician leaders at the time, I made them start putting a dollar in a pizza jar every time they said it wrong. Um, and after some, again, really good discussion with them about why I was on this bandwagon, um, they were very supportive, um, extremely supportive. And so sad to say we didn't get a lot of pizza out of that deal because they were able to change their, their thinking about it very quickly. And uh, as this movement towards sort of advancing our profession and, and doing advocacy work um, on our own behalf, I just think it's that self-identity first. If we don't believe it, they won't either. And if we aren't brave enough to not always wait to be asked to explain it, then we're not going to get there. Um, you know, I don't want to be seen anymore as the helpful people who sit in the back of a med exec minute meeting um, taking minutes. You know, I, I think if we're sitting there behind our laptop taking minutes, then we're going to be viewed as the assistant in the room. Whereas I want to be valued as the subject matter expert who sits at the med exec table and, and offers opinion when I'm asked. I, I'm often, um, I often respond with saying, well, you know, docs, I don't have a vote at this med exec meeting, but I feel like I have a little bit of influence. And what I would say to you is, here's how I look at the situation, you know, based on some experience. So it's really, um, it's, it's 
getting that self, getting that respect from others um, that's due us, but you have to do it with all due respect to the stakeholders and through a lot of professionalism. Um, and again, it's a lot of little things. What does the sign on your door say? How are you listed in the telephone directory um, or the email address book? And certainly we want to make sure that our, you know, email is everything today. We want to make sure that our signature blocks clearly state what our role is. Um, and, and another simple thing, but I never cease to be bothered by it when I hear it. Um, so often I hear our peers, uh, when they're asked to introduce themselves, you know, they'll say, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Linda from the MSO. And then the next person or the one before them says something like, you know, good morning, I'm Samantha Jones, director of the pharmacy. Um, so we do have last names. We do have departments that we um, lead or that we're part of. We're all such great informal leaders, um, whether you're a medical staff specialist or a credentialing person or a CME coordinator. Um, just think of yourself as that informal leader that can really do something to advance our world. And, and you know, use your last name. Be proud of who you are and where you work. Um, the doctors are and we respect them, so let's turn that around. But I bet you'll, you'll very seldom hear a CEO introduce himself as, hi, I'm Mike, I run the place, um, depending on his audience. So again, just a little pet peeve of mine, but I think it goes back to really representing yourself the way you want to be seen by others. How does department advocacy intertwine with overall awareness of the role of the MSP? Yeah, no, I think it's it's a point to be made, as, as I just mentioned, whatever your role is in the medical staff services department or um, department of medical uh, staff, um, medical affairs, whatever title has been longstanding at your institution that you really can change with some effort. Um, whatever your role is, I think you have to look at yourself as that informal leader. Uh, you know, when people ask me, what do you do all day? What do you do with the medical staff and the physicians? You know, I say that I, I educate, I facilitate, and I motivate them to get their volunteer work done that is so critical to the operation of the hospital. But the individual MSP, um, there's just so much we can do. And, and um, NAMS has a million resources to us that, you know, just getting on the website and digging those up. But again, the first step is really educating people to understand your role, understand the business of the department. Um, in my organization, uh, we started a campaign a few years ago about every, every single person is on a mission. So every person has a mission statement. Mine is something along the lines of being a physician advocate. I'm on a mission to be a physician advocate so physicians can focus on great patient care. Um, but your department should have a mission too, and those two things need to tie together. And you know, you should put the mission of your department up on the wall for people to see and question. You should put your own mission maybe in your signature block for people to ask you what that's all about. Um, I think, you know, departments and certainly offices, but departments nowadays are so spread out. Uh, we cover the entire state, you know, 17 different locations but we're very much tied together as a team and talking about yourself as a team and what's my role on the team and who are the stakeholders. Um, again, those are concepts that really change how folks look at us. 
So, you know, the awareness of the MSP role, um, just don't be shy about saying it. I think it's an old concept, but it's still very valuable, the elevator speech. You know, if you got in the elevator with somebody and you only had about four floors to tell them and they, they look at your ID badge or they say, oh, are you a nurse here? You need to not just say, no, I'm not a nurse and even be sort of shy about it. You need to say, no, I'm not a nurse, but here's how I impact this facility. You know, I lead the medical staff services department. We do physician credentialing and peer review and continuing medical, medical education. Um, we're a highly regulated department. Uh, we provide administrative, but certainly a lot of technical support to our independent medical staff's governance system. You know, we function on, on um, our functions are focused on risk management and risk mitigation for our providers and for the hospital. And just again, be prepared to share that. Um, and if you don't know that that's true, um, then the first step is to sort of educate yourself, right? If you're very new in this profession, start researching it, start reading everything on the NAMS page or, you know, join some of the other entities that are out there that just have 30, 40 years of history on how this profession has evolved. Um, and again, be proud of it. Be ready to speak to what it is. And, um, you know, MSP is another one of those acronyms that gets incorrectly used all the time, um, but a medical services professional it was intended, that term was intended to include both hospital-based folks as well as managed care, CVO, some of the large practice, um, practice managers who are doing credentialing and other things. So um, be helpful in explaining what you, what you are and what that word professional means. You know, we're not clerks, we're not assistants. Um, we are professionals, like a certified professional accountant. We are professionals in this field and, and be dang proud of it. Like what you hear on the Tomorrow's MSP podcast? Visit namsgateway.org to catch up on more content and insights from medical services professionals and industry experts. Can you talk about how COVID has impacted advocacy given MSPs were and in many cases still are remote? We have um, been, you know, banned for safety reasons from many of our organizations for what, seven, eight, nine months now. And, and I think it's unfortunate because it, it's made the advocacy process a lot harder when we're not seeing, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So I think we have to get very um, intentional about how we're staying in front of our stakeholders. Um, but there are still ways to do it. You know, Zoom meetings, um, emails are the new way. And um, having your identity there, making sure you introduce yourself when you are taking part in some of those, being on screen, um, it's just critical. You know, whether you're doing a leadership meeting or maybe your organization has safety huddles every morning now, where all the nurses sit around and talk about what's going on in their unit today, you know, it's a great opportunity once or twice a week to just say, hey, I wanted to update you on the, some new providers we have on, on uh, staff, or we're doing some credentialing now for this new laser or um, Da Vinci robot that's coming online. So please don't schedule any procedures with uh, the robot yet because we don't have it through the credentialing process. And just look for those ways to interject. You know, you may not think it's critical 
Um, but I've never had somebody, you know, stop or walk away and say, you know, that was worthless information for me. So just find ways to interject yourself in things that are still going on in the hospital. Um, and, and both internally and externally, but certainly internally in your organization. Um, and then find those external entities, your licensing board, your physician health program if you have one, um, the attorneys that your hospital works with. You know, make sure that they're aware of who you are and what kind of resource you can be to them. Um, but COVID has, has just absolutely made it more difficult for all of us. And so I would just say be intentional. Find ways, make sure the door in the hospital or in your managed care company, wherever you're at, make sure there's a good sign on the door that says, you know, we're still here. Maybe put your pictures up on it. We're still here, we're here to help you, we're easily reachable, you know, give us a call. Um, not, not out of sight, totally out of mind, we're here to help you. Why is MSP Week so important in continuing the mission to augment awareness of and celebrate MSPs and the work that they do? Yes, so I think there are probably a lot of NAMS members or even MSPs out there um, who don't realize that I couldn't quote the year, but many, many years ago, I think it was the first President Bush who declared uh, the first week in November to be NAMS Week or our National Recognized Week. And if you are in a hospital, you'll know that there is everything from Nurses Week to Cafeteria Workers Week, EVS, Respiratory Tax, all of these other entities that go out of their way to get that week of recognition. And what it really is intended to be, all of those weeks are intended to be, is education to the others on what they do and how they do it. Um, and that's what we need to make sure it is, even if we only have four or five employees at any one site. And there's so many ways, NAMS makes it so easy. They publish a, a press release. Um, there are uh, all kinds of resources on there. I always make sure and take advantage of that week to send a letter to our uh, C-suite, our executive suite, just a short email, short letter that says, hey, you know, I wanted you to be aware of this. Um, it's important to me and my staff. And I'll inevitably get some sort of response. NAMS has a great publication now, um, Synergy. And a number of years ago, NAMS changed the, the, um, the title of that or what is printed on the cover of Synergy now says that it's a professional journal. It's not just a newsletter anymore. And so, you know, that's a great tool. I, I often, a couple of times a year, I will take the synergy that comes out and I'll find some article that's somehow relevant to my credentials committee or my C-suite and I'll send that along and say, you know, um, to my C-suite, I'll say, hey, this is what my membership in NAMS is paying for. So thank you for pur uh, uh, purchasing my membership. But here's a great article on a topic I thought you might find interesting. Um, and uh, again, to the, the one specific week, it doesn't always have to be celebrated that week. I know this year our team is gonna celebrate a couple of weeks late, probably because of COVID, everything is being delayed in the world, but um, just find ways to do it. You know, we, um, again, we have smaller number of employees, but buy some bling for your department members. Um, all the other departments run around with little jackets on or t-shirts that talk about their department. Um, find a way to get that for your folks. Um, put, uh, some very short information on table tent cards and put those tent cards around the cafeteria. Look and see what the other departments are doing, you know. 
have an open house that says, come by, um, if you can, if you can be in for COVID, come by the medical staff services department and learn something about what we do and, you know, enter a raffle for a free Starbucks card or something. Um, just any way, again, to explain to folks what we do and really get that understanding of what we do spread out amongst the people that we work with every day, the physicians that we support. Um, but but find those ways um, because NAMS has made it so easy for us with this week. Um, it really fits in the already entrenched processes of a hospital. To let it go by um, unnoticed would, would just be a you know unfortunate. Um, write your own article for your company's newsletter. Um, like I said, send a letter to folks um, of of thanks, you know, to your medical executive committee. This is our national week of recognition, but I want you to know how much I appreciate you making my job easier. There are just a, a million different ways. I know a lot of the state associations post ideas on their websites. They have different contests on who's come up with the best way to celebrate NAMS week. It's just a great opportunity to feel good about what we do, connect with our peers, and educate a few of our stakeholders. And do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share? Well, I just so appreciate being asked to comment about MSPs and, and our profession and advocating for ourselves. I used to put on my resume back in the day when people listed hobbies across the bottom. I used to put, you know, volunteer work for NAMS because that was really my, where I spent all of my spare time. And I just think it's made a difference for me over the years and I've seen it for people around me. So again, I, I know we're all overwhelmed. We all have to do more with less and less and less. But um, we also have to own this. We can't expect others to do it for us. We can't sit back and complain about what it is or wonder why it is. You know, why don't they respect our work? Why does nobody really know what we do? Why aren't we paid at a level that I think is appropriate? Stop wondering why and start being intentional and strategic about how you're going to advance yourself. And, and I would just encourage anyone who wants to reach out, I love talking about this, so I'm, I'm happy to share thoughts and ideas, but there are so many people out there with their own. So just spread the word, share that, and enjoy your work because it's vital. It's patient care directly related and we're making a difference. Thank you for listening to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast the voice of the medical services profession. I'd like to extend a special thanks to Bonnie Gutierrez for sharing all of her insight and expertise on this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in to the next episode to stay up to date on the latest news and insights. Read more in-depth articles on trending topics by visiting us at namsgateway.org. Until next time.